to start with a pop quiz. You know what a pop quiz is, don't you? You've had those. Score one to 100. Give yourself a score. How much do you love God? It's a tough question, I know. But stop and think. Put a number to it the best you can. You know, one is, man, I just, maybe zero. I have zero love in my heart for God. One is, 100 is, can't get more. I know nobody's there, but where are you at? And then, maybe more important than the number you give yourself is this. On what basis did you give yourself that number? That's what I want you to really think about this morning. More than the number, on what measurement did you use to measure your love for God? You know, I'm so grateful for uh, Gary Chapman. He's helped a lot of us in our relationships with a book called Love Languages. Steve, you know all about that, don't you, brother? If you don't know, Steve Jeminer used to uh, go along with Gary in all his conferences and worked with him in those. And what Gary taught us is that there's a language that we all speak when it comes to love. There's a way we experience love, and there's a way that we give love. The way we express it and the way we experience it. And if we understand our partner's love language, we can better communicate our love. For instance, if Kim's love, well, well, let me explain what those five are real quick. The five love languages are, are words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, gifts, and physical touch, non-sexual physical touch. Those are the five languages that we all have. And, and there's a primary language that each one of us has that somehow when people speak that language to me, it really connects at the core of my being. Now, if Kim's love language is words of affirmation, but I'm saying, I really want to love Kim, and so I'm doing acts of service all the time. I'm going to wash the dishes. I'm going to cut the grass. I'm going to make the bed. I'm even going to throw my socks in the hamper. You know, I mean, I really go the extra mile. You know, and I'm thinking, boy, I'm really loving Kim, but somehow Kim's going, this isn't working. This isn't connected for her. I don't feel like my husband loves me. It's because words of affirmation work for her, and I'm trying to do it with acts of service. But it's when all of a sudden, I say, oh, she speaks the language of words of affirmation. And when I start to say, I'm going to love her, not only by doing these acts of service, but by speaking words of affirmation, guess what? It connects. Kim gets it. It's working. And the same is really true with God. There's a primary language of love that Jesus reveals to us in the Upper Room Discourse about how the way we are to express our love to God. So turn in your Bibles, if you would. If you don't have a Bible with you, we usually have them provided underneath in the seats. Uh, I know a lot of people have them on their phones. If you're sitting by somebody without a Bible, we're going to look at a lot of passages from God's Word. We do that on purpose 
Because I want you to know what we're hearing today is not Pat's best thoughts or ideas. This is God's word. And so we're here today to unveil for you what God has to say about this. And in John 14, verse 15, we see Jesus speak about this for the first time, which he comes back to uh, more than once here in the Upper Room Discourse. John 14, verse 15 says this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Look at down to verse 21 in the same chapter. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Uh, look at down verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And then again down in chapter 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Anybody catch it? What's God's love language? Obedience. When we are obeying God, not just because we're feeling emotional when we're singing a song or even raising our hands or spinning on the stage or spinning in our seats. I know, Josh, that's one expression of worship, but you know what? If we're not obeying God, you know what, guys, what connects with God, when he sees somebody says, oh, no, that guy loves me, this is connecting, it's when we are obeying God. And I want you to know what happens when we obey God this way. Look back at some of these verses where we looked at. Well, let me just say this first of all before I read on. Our relationship with Jesus parallels the relationship that Jesus had with his father. In other words, the way that Jesus expressed his love for the father is the way that we're to express our love for Jesus. Look back at the text here in John 15, verse 10. He says this, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus said, hey, the same way I did it with the Father is the same way I'm asking you to do it with me. Look at down in, look back to chapter 14, verse 31. But so the world may know that I love the Father. How's the world going to know that Jesus loves the Father? I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Our love for Jesus is expressed through obedience, just like Jesus' love for the Father was expressed through obedience. And there's some things that happen when we love God like this. Look back at verse in chapter 14, verse 21, listen to what Jesus said. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, 
And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Disclose, reveal more, open up more about who he is. Look at down in verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. You ever have somebody come to your house and say, Welcome to my humble abode? <laughs> abode is where somebody lives. You know, me and the Father are going to make our home right inside of you. Then again, in verse 10 of chapter 15, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You know, there's what they call positional truth and practical truth. Uh, This is one of those things where if you trusted Jesus, he's made his home within you. If you're a child of God, he loves you. But what he's talking about here is that practical, experiential experience of Jesus opening up more and more. Yeah, yeah, we all have the Word of God. You know, he's disclosed himself through his Word. But there's something about when we're obeying his commandments that somehow I'm starting to get it, and the lights are going on, and Jesus is showing me more and more of who he is in a practical way. And when he says, you know, I love him and the Father loves him, he loves us. But guess what? There's some people who just walk and go, I know God loves me and I'm experiencing that love and I feel that love and it's making a difference in my life and it's driving me. And when he talks about making his home, there's a sense of the presence. You know, some people say, they tell me Jesus is living in me. Where is he? There's others say, man, I can't believe Jesus is living in me. Thank you, God. You see, when we walk in obedience... With God and his word, there's a deepness of the reality of our relationship with Jesus that just doesn't positional truth, but becomes the reality of our life when we walk day by day. As Jesus shows us more of himself, and we experience more of his presence and his power and his love in our lives. And as John 15, 10 says, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. You keep walking in that, and you'll keep on experiencing. It continues to go on and on. You know, I I want to make clarification here. This is not about a legalistic obedience to God's word. You know, you can obey because I think if I obey, God's going to give me something. That, that's really not, that's not love because I'm trying to get something from God. You know, if I obey, God said he'll give me this, so I'm going to obey him because I can get something from God. There's others who obey God out of fear. If I don't do this, God's going to spank me. And somehow my life's going to be worse, so i got to obey God so I don't get spanked by God. That, that's not what he's talking about here. I think it's what we call in our day and age a circle of love. What's a circle of love? A circle of love is where two people are living with one another and their lives are totally open to one another 
They're fully in love with one another and they're walking with one another and love is going back and forth from one another as they're loving one another with an open heart and an open life and that circle of love is going back and forth. But what breaks the circle? Boom. (laughs) One of them closes off. And all of a sudden, they're not opening up their life to the other person. They're not really uh, responding the way they used to respond. Something's happening and something's going wrong, and all of a sudden, there's no longer this circle like this, but this person's loving like this, but there's nothing coming back in return. And this is what I believe Jesus talked about. It's just the natural circle of love. But when we close ourselves off to Jesus, because we're no longer obeying his word, something happens to that circle of love and it just gets kind of, it just gets kind of stunk up and, and, and stalled a little bit. I think the best way I can illustrate that, my, my friend Kevin, in fact, uh, he wrote a, I've mentioned Kevin a few times, he wrote a book, I think it's called Freedom. His name is Kevin Butcher. It's all about God's love for us and experiencing God's love. Great book. Uh, Kevin's a good friend of mine from seminary and his wife, Carla. And Kevin wrote in this book about when he was dating Carla, he noticed that uh, she was really kind of (laughs) close. She wasn't responding to him. She wasn't opening up the way she used to open up. And there there was just, I don't even know I'm going to say used to, I'm going to say there's just something. he's, He's loving her, he's excited to be with her, but for some reason, he's not getting the same thing in return. And he, one time he said, Carla, what's going on here? I, I don't sense that you're opening up to me. Her answer was so profound. I mean, ladies, you would get it. Some of us guys go, what's the problem? But she said this, when you stop dating all those other girls, then I can trust you. I mean, here's a typical grip. Man, God, I get this woman plus all these other women. You are so good. As Kevin's attitude, you know, she's going, hey, wait a minute, that isn't how it works. And you know what? She couldn't open up and trust him because he wasn't really giving her the proper kind of love that a woman deserves. When she says, I'm all yours and you're all mine, you can open up and respond to somebody like that. So all of a sudden, when Kevin stopped dating the other girls and he gave himself fully to Carla, all of a sudden, guess what? Now the circle was back in operation. And I think the same thing is happening with God. Jesus wants to pour out on us the practical experience of his love and his presence in our life and his power. But we are kind of breaking the circle and the power because we're not responding with open hearts back to him. You know how it is when you're in relationships. You know, would you please do this? And they don't do that. It just, it doesn't work. And Jesus' relationship with us saying, hey, guys, my children, I want you to do this. But when we say, no, Jesus, I'm not going to do it. It just, it stinks things up. It breaks up the circle. It it, kind of breaks up the flow. But this is not about legalism. This is about a gracious circle of love of a Jesus 
who has already says I love you, I'm already in covenant relationship with you, I'm going to walk with you, I'm making my home with you, but I want to give you more of myself, and I want you to experience more of me, and more of my power, and more of my presence, and more of my love, and all it takes is that you love me back by obeying me. Now, John picked up this topic again in his epistle of 1 John. Turn to 1 John. Probably about five years later, after the gospel, John wrote, the same author of this book, wrote about the same topic again, actually, about love and obedience. Because to me, I have to be honest with you, Obedience and love seem like two totally different categories to me. How do these two go together? How do these two link together? How, how, how do these two fit? You know, obedience seems over here and love seems over here. These next few passages we're going to look at, we're going to start to bridge the gap and understand how obedience and love work together. We're in 1 John 5, verse 2. As John says this, 1 John 5, 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. I want you to note something here. And you might even say, how does this fit? The way I love my brothers and sisters in Christ is by keeping God's commands. He's not just saying, this is the way I love God. This is the way I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. Look back. And this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. So now he's added to this. Not only do we love God by keeping his commandments, but we love one another by obeying his commandments. Then again, he reminds us in verse 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. And then in 2 John, the very next chapter of your Bible, verse 6, John reduces love to its fundamental characteristic and defines it for us. This is the way we love God. This is the way we love one another. Verse 6, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. You know, guys, the world has got its own definition of love. And you know what? We live in this world, and we can be really confused about what love is. The media tells us love is one thing. Uh, you know, you go to the movies, you can say, whoa, this, this is what love looks like. Uh, you can actually watch the news. They used to just report what's going on. Now they give their personal interpretations of what's going on and what's loving and what isn't. So you can watch the news, and they're going to tell you what love is. You're going to listen to the politicians. They're going to tell you what love is. You're going to talk to the world experts, the psychologists, and they're going to tell you this is what love is and what it looks like. We're even going to go into schools now that Often, and I thank God for Christian teachers and educators, but many schools have switched from just teaching us educational things into pushing agendas there, and they're going to tell you what love looks like. So every place we go, somebody's trying to tell us what love looks like. I want to remind you today, Moraine Valley Church, by God's word, love is keeping his commandments. 
You want to know what love looks like? You want to know how to love God? It's by keeping his commandments. You want to know how to love your brothers and sisters in Christ and even the people of the world? It's by keeping God's commandments. Now, maybe I haven't got you any closer on the link. Still seems like two categories. Now let's move a little bit closer. Turn to Matthew chapter 22. It's called the Great Commandment. In fact, a lawyer had come up to Jesus and he was going to trick Jesus. You know, they sent out by the Pharisees and all the religious leaders and we're here to trip up Jesus. And So one of the lawyers said this in Matthew 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the top two commandments, loving God, loving your neighbor. Then Jesus said this. Jesus did us the biggest favor in the world. If you ever get a pop quiz on give me the heart of the Old Testament and what it's trying to say, Jesus said this. On these two commandments, the commandment of loving God and loving your neighbor depend the whole law and the prophets. You want to know what the Old Testament is about? You want to understand all these commands and all that the prophets are writing about, and all what the law is writing about, what the, the heart of it, all of it can be summarized. It all depends upon two things. It's how you love God and how you love your neighbor. And so now we're learning, wait a minute, Jesus is telling us the same thing here. That the, when we look to love God and we look to love people, we just need to obey God's commands. The commands find their meaning and their significance in the context of love. It's the way I love. We're getting closer, but this next one I think nailed it for me when I looked at it. Romans 13. Look at Romans 13. This is where I finally said, I get it. Hopefully God will give you one of those moments as well. Romans 13. We'll be in verse 8. He says this. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Law, uh, love fulfills the law. We just saw it. All the, the whole testament, all the laws, all the commandments, all the prophets, it all depends upon, it all hangs upon, it all finds its meaning in the context of love. When we love one another, we fulfill the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. All of those are in the Ten Commandments. 
the Big Ten are really, is not really a football college league. The Big Ten are the commandments of love that were given by Moses, how we love one another. And he says this, and if there's any other commandment, whether it be in the Old Testament or the New Testament, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. Every commandment in the Bible can be summarized in this, loving my neighbor as myself. And then he tells us, verse 10, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. You know what this means? This means this. If I love you, I'm not going to mess with your wife. Then I want to say, don't commit adultery. So guess what? In fact, Jesus raised the bar. You know, he said, you heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I'm telling you, don't even lust after a woman. So all of a sudden, if I'm going to love you, men, I'm not going to mess with your lady, whether it be physically or in my mind. And women, I'm not going to mess with you because I don't want to stink up your relationship with your, with your man. And so here it is, and I, by man, I mean your husband, or maybe some of you that are, good, good, good time to kiss one another. That's fair. But uh, when I say your man, because I don't want people to misunderstand me, I've been misunderstood before. Marriage is for one man and one woman. But I know there's some people that are dating very seriously or engaged, and I, I, I don't want to get in anybody's way. Like when I met Kim, she was going with another guy. And they were saying, hey, you, you ought to go with this guy. I said, I don't do that. I don't go there. I don't mess with somebody else's woman. Now, things changed. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Now I'll step in there. But, you know, so, so you're not misunderstood. Marriage is one man, one woman. That's what God has created and what he does. But where am I? I got lost there. I just didn't want to get any letters this week, that's all. I want to take care of that right now. So anyhow, but how about murder? You know, if I love you, I'm not going to murder you. Jesus raised the bar on that one until you heard it said you should not go. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Don't even be angry with your brother or sister. Or don't call them a fool. Or say they're good for nothing. So all of a sudden now... The bar has been raised, and if I'm going to love you, I'm not just going to do, I, I'm not just keep from doing physical harm. I, I'm going to deal with any anger I have towards you in my heart. And I'm not going to write you off as somebody that's useless or a fool. And when the Old Testament says you don't covet, you know what I learn here? is that rather than desiring what you have, I'm going to love you by rejoicing in what God has given you. I'm not going to be jealous. I'm not going to be envious. I'm not going to be covetous. Wow, God gave them that, gave them that. He didn't give that to me. I'm going to rejoice in what God has given you. Rather than wanting, if start, now it's coming down on the lower shelf. Yeah, when I keep these commandments, that's the way I love God. That's the way I love people. If there's any other commandment, he says, How about gossip? 
Matter of fact, stealing, he mentions that in this passage too. Rather than taking from you, my life in Jesus is one that wants to add to your life, not take from your life. So if I'm loving you, I'm not taking from you or stealing something from you, I'm adding to your life. And when it comes to, I don't gossip about you, I don't talk about you behind your back, I don't say anything to anybody else that I wouldn't say in front of your face out of love. And the only words, according to Ephesians, that say are words are going to build you up and bless you and edify you and encourage you. So if, I'm gonna, if I'm, my speech and my conversations with you are going to be those that lift you up and build you up, I'm going to be patient with you. Love is patient, right? I'm going to lay down my life for you. So bottom line... I want Moraine Valley Church to be very clear in a world that's very confused about what love is. Love is keeping God's commandments. And the way we can love one another is by obeying God's word. And the way we can love God is by obeying his word. And that keeps the circle going. And as that circle of love continues on and nobody's closing off like this, Jesus will never close off, but we can. And you know what? When we open back up and we deal with that place where we've broken the circle of love, that experience of Jesus' presence and power and love gets deepened in our life. So how you doing? Let's go back to how we're doing. We started with a pop quiz, right? So now, but the quiz, if you remember, I said the most important thing is what did you measure your love by? That's the thing we talked about this morning. What do you measure your love with God by? So when you measure your love for God on the basis of obeying his word, now the question this morning is how you doing? Is there anything Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, has been speaking to your heart to say, you need to let go of that. You shouldn't be going there. Or you need to start going there. Or you need to start doing that. Or whatever, fill in the blank. Is there anything the spirit of God has been speaking to your heart about to deal with? Maybe even more so, are there any direct commandments from this word that you're disobeying, that you're not following. Now we gotta say, now what kind of number do I give myself when it comes to my love for God? You know, and I, Jesus said, he who has my commandments and keeps them, part of our love for God is getting in this book and understanding what it says because the more I understand what God says, the better I can love him and the better I can love other people. And so this book is so important. It's a book of love. And, and, and when we go into this book, we understand what love looks like from God's perspective and how he defines love. And that's the real thing that we all need and want. So how you doing? Let's start with loving one another. Go back to John 13, just one time. I'm sorry, I should have told you, keep your finger there. We're looking at a lot of passages. They're too big to put on PowerPoint. Normally when I just do a quick flash, I'll put it on PowerPoint, but 
This morning we're, we're doing a little different. John 13, 34. Jesus says this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. We talked about this sometime last fall in the last year, whatever, earlier this year. But you know what? Jesus is saying, we're to love one another the same way he loves us. In fact, we see later, later on in this same upper room discourse, Jesus says, the same way the Father loves me is the same way that I love you. Now he's saying, I want you to take that same way that the Father loves me and the same way I love you and to love one another in the same way. Then Jesus defines this love in John 15. Turn, turn there, chapter 12, I'm sorry, verse 12 of John 15. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. We see it again. Then he says this, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Now we're getting to the greatest expression of love, the cross. Well, Jesus, there's no greater love than this than to give up your own life for the sake of somebody else. Jesus modeled that for the cross. He's calling us to live the same way with one another. Husbands, this is our specific role as husbands to love our wives as Christ loved the church who gave himself up for her. So husbands, when you think of this, think about this in your relationship with your wife. But this is what Jesus, the greatest expression of that looks like. Matter of fact, doesn't obedience cost us? Love costs us. Obedience costs us. It can cost us our own desires. But I want this. But Jesus says, no, I want you to go over here. It can cost me my time. I didn't put that in my schedule for today. And all of a sudden, this thing comes in, which seems like an interruption, but it's really a divine appointment, that all of a sudden, I need to give up my schedule to be able, it's going to cost me my schedule to love that person that just walked in on my life. How about my agenda? These are my big three for today. These are the things are, that are in my life. This is what I live for. This is where I'm going. This is my mission. Well, somebody comes in that isn't part of your mission, but they got a real need in front of you. Guess what? <laughs> Sometimes it's going to cost us even things that we say, man, this is my agenda to put to the side. It's going to cost me my money at times. Because sometimes to love somebody else is going to cost some of my own possessions or money to love them well. And husbands, I'll speak to this one. God dealt with me a long time ago in this. God speaks to us in all kinds of ways. And play. It was in a movie. And I got a degree in accounting, okay? So I, I know budgets. I know church budgets. I know personal budgets. And so I love Kim as far 
as my budget would allow me. You know what I mean? And this guy in this movie was talking about how he had to blow his budget to love his wife. You know, guys, sometimes we need to blow our budget to love our wives. Sometimes it's going to cost us because it doesn't fit the plan. It doesn't fit the scheme. I love the song today. You know, God, I'm going to trust you. I don't know what's going to happen. God, I'm going to love this person with my money. I'm going to love you by giving my money. I'm going to love my wife by giving my money to them. I don't know where the gap's going to be filled, but all I know, God, is I'm obeying you and loving you and loving this person by sacrificing my budget to bless them. And praise God, Kim, you're... Wish I learned it sooner. Should have watched that movie sooner. <laughs> but uh, praise God, there's times I now got to say, hey, forget about the budget, man. Bless your baby. And that's the way we got to live when we think about this, guys. We can't let the budget control our lives. Sometimes it's going to cost us, even when we don't know how it's going to work out, to do what's the loving thing and obey God. So, That's how we can love one another. I want to talk about how do we love God. Let me give you a practical test. So that was, that was trying to bring it down here. Let me bring it down here on how we love God. How are you doing with your giving? You're going, really, Pat? You're not going to do that. Are you really going to go there one more time before you leave? you got to be kidding me. I walk into parties and people grab their wallets. I go, oh, man, here comes Peglo, man. Look out. You know what? I really felt God led me here. But if you listen, you'll understand why. Because our relationship with money is gigantic when it comes to our love for God. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. This last one I'll have you turn to. Maybe I'll get invited to more parties after I retire, huh? <laughs> Matthew 6, 19. Listen to what Jesus, this is what Jesus says in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. We're in Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. Bottom line saying this, store your riches in heaven, not here on earth. That's where he's starting with, very simply. Then he goes on and says, for this reason, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart will follows your money. This is big. <laughs> wait a minute. Now we're starting to say, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, this isn't just about money. This is about my heart. And if I'm putting all my money and investing all my riches and everything I have in my possessions and things here on earth, guess where my heart's going to be? But when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to be looking at the stock market on my phone in here because guess what? This is where my heart is. It's all right here. But if all my riches in the store in heaven, guess where I'm going to be? I'm going to be in God's word trusting Jesus because I want to see his kingdom go on and further because that's where I'm investing. 
So money is big because my heart follows my money. Then Jesus said this, the eye is the lamp of the body. This is where the light comes in, through the eye. This is, this, this, this is where I see. This is where the perspective comes from. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. Now, this is what he means by a clear eye. The eye is where we see. It's our perspective. It's our understanding. It's the way I think. And, if, and in the context, before and after, you're going to see he's talking about money. So if the way that I think, if my perspective, if my mindset about money is clear and healthy and on straight, then my whole body, my whole life will be on straight. Now, wait a minute, this is getting big. Money impacts my whole life. My perspective on money impacts everything that touches my life. But if your eye is bad, if my perspective and my thinking about possessions and money is sick and unhealthy and bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Then Jesus wraps it up with this. No one can serve two masters. Context, one master is money and possessions. The other one is God. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Now we're going back to the love idea. Wait a minute. This money is connected with my love. This money connects my whole life. This money connects Jesus as my master, my ruler, and the one I, who reigns over my life. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot. It's not you may not, you cannot. It's impossible to serve God and money at the same time. You gotta make a choice. You gotta make a choice. A core test to your love for God is your relationship with your money and the way you see it and where you're investing it whether it's in God's kingdom or it's all here on the earth in your life and your possessions. Tony Evans said it this way, God doesn't have a man's heart until he has a man's wallet. And that's true for women. God doesn't have a woman until he has a woman's wallet. God doesn't have a person's heart until he has their money. A core test for our love for God is our money. Many of us heard this quoted before. Money is the root of all evil. I want you to know that's not what the Bible says. But I'll tell you what it does say. First Timothy 6.10. The love of money. So now it's changed. Money can be a good thing. 
Money makes a great servant, but a very poor master. But it has to do with our attitude and our relationship to money. And so now when I love money, it is a root, not the root. So there's other things that can cause trouble in my life, but this is one of them. And we saw from Jesus cause big trouble in my whole life. So the love of money is a root of not all evil, but all sorts of evil. So we want to be fair to the text. Money's not the root of all evil. But when you love money, it creates a lot of trouble in your life. And when you pull out this issue of money by the roots, guess what? A whole bunch of other stuff comes with it. Because it's the root of all sorts of evil. So now when I deal with money, in my relationship with money, in my heart, with God, then all of a sudden, a lot of other things are resolved. And as Jesus said, my whole life will be impacted, not just my wallet. Jesus will be my master and my love. All sorts of evil will be resolved in my life. So I'm gonna give you a final exam. No longer we talking pop quizzes. How much do you love God? When you measure it by your obedience to his commands. How you doing? What number do you have? Is it the same as the number you had at the start? I will tell you this. I need to grow in my number. <laughs> uh, so this isn't about anybody feeling shame or guilt or beat up, but this is about dealing with truth because only when you deal with truth can you grow. And so I want to ask you today, along with me and Kim, as you look at your life and you look at how you're doing in obeying God's word, that's the way we express our love to God. I want to encourage you, if you've broken the circle of love, this morning's the time to deal with that. So Father, I just pray, would your Holy Spirit be pleased to speak to our hearts through your word? We, we, we read a lot of your word today, Lord. And would you be pleased by your Spirit to personalize to each one of us the application that each one of us needs? And God, I pray that a result of this message today that we will love you and we will love others more clearly, more dearly, more deeply. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.